Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The first rule of effective money habits is you need to spend you know, less than you earn, and not everybody does that. And you know, I'm so that's what I teach my kids from a young age: you spend less than you earn some money, spend less than you earn, and do something with the surplus. But a lot of the times, people get into property because they go, "No, I don't really want to spend less than I earn. I just want to live life now." And... This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Tyron Shum and in this episode on Property Investory, we're keeping the conversation going with property developer Dave Bradley. We'll discuss how to maintain effective money habits to enable your success, the three components you need for property development and how to make $600,000 in cash flow by the end of the week. Also, before we delve into this episode, go over to propertyinvestory.com and subscribe to receive your free property investor case studies where you'll learn how to generate passive income from your properties. Go there now to sign up for free. When it comes to making the first move and purchasing that first investment property, Bradley believes the lack of money or the fear of losing money is what holds people back. Money and where the money is either capital or it's, or it's finance. So I think the biggest one that holds people back, like both those, is is the fear associated with that. So if I said to a person, you know, we'll put money, you know, I've got a deal for you, and so I want you, I want you to put a hundred grand into a deal, then you know you will go. Oh, 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 the one that hold you back is the fear of losing that hundred thousand dollars. If I said I want you to put a hundred thousand in and sign for a, a million dollar loan. You, you may have the fear of being called on the on the on the million dollar line, and so uh, I think what that, that, that's what what hold people back. And I think there's an accurate the fear is a false expectation appearing real. So, so what I've tried to do to work through that is to work out what are the what are the chances, the probabilities of of that that worst case scenario actually coming true. And you can sort of work out strategies for what you think is the case or. Or why is the case, and you know, you and, you and you put yourself at ease. I think over my time of doing all this stuff, there's, there seems to be two things that motivate people: it's fear and it's greed. So the, the, the people come from two different spectrums, and people smarter than me can probably talk better on 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 the two spectrums. So the, the, typically, though, what I find is that people want to do stuff, but they become fearful of, of things, and so. I don't know whether it's because they've never, they've, you know, it's the fear of doing something new. And if you, you know, so when we when we were kids, we would do something new all the time. We would go to school and we would learn a different skill each day. 
we get to a point where we stop, we stop learning that skill, or we stop learning that discipline of trying to learn that skill, so we think we know it all, whether you're age 18 or 28 or 38, it doesn't really matter. You think you, you get to a point where you know it all. And so I think part of the that is to actually be open to saying, well, actually, no, maybe I don't know it all. Maybe I can learn something else from this, this experience and so forth. So, what held Bradley back from investing in property? The greatest, uh, you know, to me, the greatest mistakes or the greatest, my greatest mistakes have been not going hard enough. It's never been something I've bought. It's always been something I, should, I go, man, I should have bought that. Or I could have gone hard enough. I should have gone longer than that. What holds people back, I think, is is the fear. Now, that can be a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy because they could have, you know, it could be a, a track record of, you know, underperforming and so forth and the psychologists will tell you it's because you don't believe you deserve it and, I don't know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that that, that, that comes down to it. A friend of mine, Brendan Nichols, has this saying that, uh, you know, the enemy of a great life is a good life. And so sometimes, you know, if, if you've worked really hard to get the $100,000, then you don't want to invest it because you know how hard it was to make it. If you didn't have $100,000, you'd just go, oh, yeah, no, no problems. And so I find this fascinating to talk to my kids about when talking money because their concept of money is not necessarily it's being formed. And, you know, so they will understand that, oh, well, yeah, dad buys a piece of property and he, he knocks it down, builds four houses and sells them. Yeah, no worries, I get that completely. There are some things that goes wrong, but that's what dad does every day at work. So this the fear, you know, it's almost youthful exuberance that they don't have that fear there. So the only thing that really holds them back then is is uh, is the, is the, you know, the practicalities of not having the money. But here's the thing with the money, and this is what I've discovered in more recent times is you don't actually have to have the money. You know, so the first thing is these things called banks will give you the money, and then what's what's happened in more and more recent times is the banks have. And I've got tightened up with their lending procedures. There's other people, private investors, who've made money who go, I just want to return my money. And I actually would love to partner with someone who actually knows what they're doing, is a good custodian, you know, and they perceive it to be uh, safe or the risks are taken care of. And so there are, there are people who will go, I would love to give you money, Dave. And that's one of the things I've probably discovered in the last number of years is that there's an investor market out there that, you know, you may not have the capital for a project, but if the project's any good, you will find the capital for the project. Having built a good track record as a property developer has certainly helped with his success, but it's also about being able to manage his money well. With, with all that though, you know, part of the things that have been a good custodian of money is to have effective money habits. So the first rule of effective money habits is you need to spend you know, less than you earn and not everybody does that. And you know, I'm... So that's what I teach my kids from a young age. You spend less than you earn, you earn some money, spend less than you earn and do something with the surplus. But a lot of the times people get into property because they go, no, I don't really want to spend less than I earn. I just, I just want to live life now and I just want property to pay for my for the increased lifestyle I think I deserve or I, I, want to, I want to have. And you go, well, that's okay and you might actually be able to do that for a period of time. There's also a chance that you're building a business on quicksand and that, you, know, you might fall over because you haven't actually got sound fundamentals in place to start with. To hone his mindset around property, he consults various people. However, it's also vital to back yourself when searching for mentors. For property development, uh, I rely on a lot of the consultants that I use for specific you know, technical uh, knowledge. I catch up with a, a buddy of mine uh, who also does this and we will talk at a more high level about our respective businesses, and we'll catch up on a, probably a quarterly basis uh, to do that. So I guess it comes ahead of catching up with peers. And I also seek counsel from uh, a couple of friends 
uh, more about keeping me grounded and, and seeing things from a different perspective rather than just getting caught up in the year, buy something, buy something else, buy something else and keep and keep going about you know, why it is that, you know, that you're actually doing something, what is it, what is it that you're actually trying to achieve and that sort of stuff. And uh, so I, I don't necessarily sign up for mentoring courses uh, per se or, or have that, but I definitely seek people out and you know, one of the problems of the business, of this business is that you are seen as the leader by a lot of people who work underneath you for various consultants and trades and whatever else. So they see you as having all the answers, which is maybe true in some cases, but it's not always true. And so, how do you, how do you, how do you, you know, direct the ship in the in the, in the way that you actually want to go? And so, you know, I guess you, you try and seek out other other captains and uh, find out how they're doing it, how they how they're coping with things. But you know, a lot of times, you know, I, in relation to reading the market, I think you can talk to you can actually run the problem of talking to too many people. So. If you read the signs and read them a certain way, uh, you know sometimes there's a, there's a skill that I've developed where you just actually you know you trust yourself and trust your instinct. That that if everything says that's okay, then that's okay. Sometimes you can look too hard about you know <laughs> why is this not going to work, which you know a lot, which is a lot of what a lot of people do. All the things that could potentially you know, go wrong. With many people looking for Bradley for answers, he stresses the importance of owning his mistakes when they occur, fixing them, and then learning from them. Not afraid to put my hand up and say I made a mistake. I don't like making mistakes, but I'll put my hand up and if I make a mistake and go, I made a mistake. And I'll wear the mistake and you know, I'll try and do better next time or whatever, whatever the case is. But then I'll tell you what I'm going to do to fix the mistake. <laughs> so, which is not just blame everyone else, this is now what we're going to do. And so, you know, I, I, I find that if you're in, you know, increasingly so, it feels like you deal with people and organizations and it's always someone else's fault. It's never, no one will actually take ownership. And if you find that you'll actually get a lot of mileage from just actually owning the mistake. Now, I get that organizations don't necessarily want to preach that's the case, but if you stand in front of someone and go, you're right, Tyrone, I stuffed up, I'm really sorry. There's not a lot you can say right then. Like, you can have a go at me and go, you're right, I did, I stuffed up, I've apologized for it. But what do you want me to do? I'm now going to fix it. But of course, if you want to fix it yourself, you can fix it yourself. It's up to you. But I'm telling you, I can fix it. And this is what the fix is. And the fix might involve uh, more money at the project. It might mean next month's interest. It might, there's a whole bunch of things that may involve. But once the mistake's been made, you know, you, you think, I can't unwind the mistake. And so the first part of that is to actually own the mistake and, and uh, accept responsibility for the mistake. Now, the next part of that, as you can do that, is to learn from the mistake. All right, why did this mistake happen and what can I do to prevent it from happening again? Because in every project I finish, I go, what did I do well and what did I do poorly? What can I do better in the future? And so as the market changes, as the, as the industry changes, as the finance changes, everything changes. If you, you're still learning about, well, what did that really, really well? And so I'll give you an example, right? So I've been to auctions in the past where I have been, uh, I don't know, I've tried to be the alpha male at the auctions and, and, and stamp my authority on the auction, not necessarily being a thug, but, you know, Bid confidently and you know rah rah and be loud and, and this sort of stuff and uh, with varying degrees of success. I went to an auction probably about sixty days ago, and uh, I tried out a completely different tact where I was really passive and almost timid in how in how it was, and it worked. We bought the property. Now I don't know whether I was always going to buy the property or you know you never know what well, but I went oh it's interesting but you know it was it was definitely a, an easier auction from my perspective because I didn't have to put on a, a bravado 
uh, they're like, well, I've got the same results. We'll never ever know. But you went, oh, I can learn something through this. Can I, can I, is there a, is there a way that I can conduct myself in normal life uh, or other parts of my business life that would actually get a, get the better outcome? So you just ask the question and you pose the question and maybe they can and maybe you can't and you won't know until the next time it happens and I, you know, I'm dealing with council or the banks or whatever else and I, I try and do something else. In Bradley's experience, accepting that you won't be successful at everything and not compromising your integrity will in turn actually help you attract good things. It's interesting that we don't really you know, pay much homage to it. It's, you know, people get, I oh, know, everyone needs to win. You go, well, no, everyone doesn't need to win. And so you, you know, using the same thing in a, in a property sense, you know, it's one of these things that you know you can't buy every single property. You can't, you know, you you can't get said yes to all the time. Everything you do is not going to be successful, one hundred percent of the time. So maybe you need to accept that that's not the case, and you know, deal with the consequence with that yourself, rather than trying to, oh, how can I get a better success rate at auction? And so you know, so this auction story I tell you was just you know, let, let, let it go, let, let the flow go. If it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be. You know, I've got a, I've got my own rules or my own things that I think are important that I. That I don't want to compromise, and so if I'm true to that, then you know, good things will come. <laughs> Coming up after the break, we will take on the nuts and bolts of Bradley's strategy. Me developing in property is making money from real estate without doing the physical work. Check out Bradley's three components needed to be successful in property. You need to have good project to start with. So if you buy a lemon of a project, you can do whatever you want. It's still going to be a lemon of a project. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shah and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey podcast listeners, are you enjoying listening to these stories and want more? Then head over to propertyinvestory.com and subscribe to receive your free property case studies that I only send exclusively via email. Just one of the many benefits of being part of this community. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, their strategies and much more. Simply visit propertyinvestory.com to get your free case studies. Now back to the show. Starting his property journey in 1999 and with 15 years of experience in development, Bradley has implemented numerous strategies over time. For me, I've got my own definition of what is developing, which may or may not be the same as what everybody else's is or something else's. So me developing in property is making money from real estate without doing the physical work. So uh, I've talked on earlier about you know people, you know, the, the renovation TV shows or people who renovate a house or whatever and they make a bunch of money and you know it's all their own labour type stuff. Um, that's not developing. For me, it's 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 making money from property without doing the physical work. And so that that physical work can be in a lot of cases buying a site building four townhouses and selling them. It can be rezoning land. It can be, it can be buying a block of flats. It, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that they can do, but it's not me doing the physical work. Now, I do physical work. Right? I come to an office every day and I, I work on the businesses and manager and whatever else. And you deal with council? Absolutely. You know. uh, but but I, I even outsource that. So my assistant will deal with council in the first instance. So you know, if it needs to be at a high level, then I'll come and you know, get involved at a high level. But I'm the one who's... Now, I'll deal with the banks, but I'll, I'll let uh, you know, the builder deal with, with, with the trades. I'll let uh, you know, the, the architect deal with the, with the engineer. I'll, I'll let everyone do their job on it. So my role is to oversee the business that, 
that uh, that does that. So from a from a perspective of what it is, and I'm you know I, I'm that that's what it is I do from uh, from. from so that's why I see it as property development. So when I say, what do you do? I'm going, I'm just trying to turn a buck out of property, right? And I don't want to be the one who's painting a wall for that to be the case. I want to, I want to use my brain. I want to use how I read the tea leaves and what I see happening is my way to go and do that. And so we probably haven't got outside of the scope of this, what we're talking about right now is how I would do that. But that changes constantly as... You know, the government changes the legislation, or, or you know, something else becomes flavour of the month that prevent it, it, it sort of uh, you know, gives further opportunity to to, to do that. The flavour this month is construction and land subdivision. Currently, what I'm doing is is two main things. So right now, I'm doing a lot of construction. Now, will that continue to happen? As long as the opportunity is there, and I think I can do that, and it's the best use of my time and dollars, I will continue to do that. But it might be something I might change tact on that. You know, might change tact tomorrow on that if I read the tea leaves a certain way that does that. Now, I, I'm flipping about saying it tomorrow, but typically that takes longer to do that just because of the time frame needed in property. But if I see something tomorrow, I will go and do that. So, I'll give you an example. If I got rang up this afternoon and I, and I, and there was a, and, and I was told there's a property here, well, I'll ask you the question. I'll do it a different way. Uh, the suburb that you live in, Tyrone, what's the median price of houses? Oh, between... 900 to a mil? 900 to a mil. So if you got a phone call today and someone said, uh, Tom, I've got a property here, and let's assume it, it meets all the criteria of being the median type of house, three bedrooms, two bathrooms, whatever the case, and you can buy it for $700,000 tomorrow because, whatever, insert whatever reason here, would you buy it? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I would. It's not, it's not a trick question. It's, it's not. It's just, you would. There's a few reasons why you wouldn't, because you didn't have the 700 or you didn't access it. So you buy it. Now, what's your plan with it? Uh, just to turn around and sell off the 900. Now, so, I, so yeah, you might keep it for longer or whatever. It doesn't really matter. So my thing, so that that meets the criteria for me of of, of develop, property development. I'm making money without doing the physical work. I didn't do anything to make it worth 900. It was worth 900. I was able to pick it up for 700. Ah, gotcha. In whatever form. That wouldn't meet the criteria for me. Now, there will be a point in time, as there will be a point in time in history, as we will be in the future, where that type of transaction will be able to be transacted for whatever reason. And so, uh, so I would do that because it meets my definition of what I'm actually doing. Right now, I'm doing a lot of construction where I'm trying to build something. So I can, it costs me 700 but it's worth 900 using that using that same example. In any case, so right now I'm doing a lot of construction of townhouses, and I'm also doing some land uh, subdivision. They're the strategies that I'm using right now. And so, with the townhouses, I will uh, I'll either buy them. I mean, with the, with the permit, or I'll go and get a permit, and I'll you know go and construct three, four, five, six, whatever number of townhouses, uh, organise a builder, and then you know go and sell them. They're pretty, you know, I reckon it's pretty boring for people who've never done it before. I reckon it's really, really exciting, but you know. Essentially, what I'm trying to do is create a financial transaction. I'm trying to spend uh, $4 million to, to receive $5 million or whatever the number is and through that through that that's there. And I'm using rough numbers rather than actual numbers, but you get the point. You get the point. And, and the time frames are fairly quick in a sense, and the other ones is land subdivision where there are bigger parcels of land. I'm using pretty much exclusively other people's money to do it, and the time frames are longer. You know, instead of being a one-year to two-year process, it might be a four-year to five-year process. It's widely known among experts that properties generate a long-term game. So talking of timeframes, how long does it take to complete a project? 
So I've heard people in the past say, oh, you know, I want a short-term property project. You go, well, it's just, 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 just some expectation behind timelines because if I buy a property tomorrow, you know, I may have, you know, $700,000 cash to go tomorrow, but I'll get the bank lined up or the vendors will get the bank lined up and the solicitor. Typically, the settlement times are 60 to 90 days. And so if I wanted to buy something and sell something in a really, really quick time frame, you can, you can do simultaneous settlements and all this sort of stuff that, that can happen. But typically, if you're looking at 60 to 90 days on the way in and 60 to 90 days on the way out, well, that's about six months. That's right. So, so if you want to do something in the middle, like build something, or even if you want to renovate something, you know, you can, I don't realize you can get early access and all these other things like that. But you know, it's not a it's not a week's exercise. It's a month's exercise, and it might be a year's exercise in doing some of these things. So you know, it takes time. So the notion of cash flow uh, is needs to be understood by people, which is not a problem because property by itself is a slow moving beast. Which is what I spoke earlier about when the bank makes a call on you, they want you to you know it's like understand the notion of repay money within a, a short period of time. It just can't happen like that because. You've got a fire sale, and you know, fire sale generally doesn't result in a, in a good outcome. You want to be, you know, as I say, you know, you wake up every day wanting to be the hunter, not the hunted. In order to be the hunter and succeed in property, Bradley says there are three components you need to have. You need to have, uh, you know, a, a good project to start with. So if you buy a lemon of a project, you can do whatever you want. It's still going to be a lemon of a project. You need to have good funding. <laughs> And so you need to make sure that you know it's how you fund it. So right now, you know, bank funding, as I say, is it's it's uh, it's never been as cheap, nor has it ever been as hard to get. I should add that as well. Bank funding is pretty cheap comparatively to what it's been historically. So you need good funding, and not only good funding at an interest rate, but also good funding at an appropriate level. Because if you want to buy the property we just mentioned for seven hundred thousand dollars, you want to make sure the bank can give you most of that. Let's say eighty percent. Now, the bank changes their mind and gives you 60%, you, 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 you wouldn't have what I would call good funding. And that's okay. You can, have a, you can have a poor project within reason. If you're adding value to it, you'll still be okay. Because if you paid 800000 for the $900,000 property, you could still be okay. You can, you know, you'd be all right. Uh, if you've got good funding with it and you, 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 it, it allows you to have capital free, or using other people's capital, being the banks, and you, you, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an advantageous outcome. And the third thing you need is you need cash reserves and or cash flow to allow you, to, to, allow you to, to buy yourself time in case one of the first two doesn't work out according to plan. So, how do you go about this? So, you know, even, even as simple down to, I had a property settled yesterday. But by the time, so the bank takes all the money because that's what the bank does, and then you know it releases me the surplus, which is the easiest way to do it because it just is in a lot of cases. By the time they clear checks and transfer monies and so forth, you might be looking at three, four, five, seven days later. So even though you, so even if you said the settlement was on you know a certain day, you may not get paid on that certain day. You might not get paid till a day after that certain day, which is okay as long as you understand that's okay. If you were if I was expecting. You know, so yesterday, you know, the surplus was, was I don't know, six hundred thousand dollars was what what was what landed in my account or should land in my account, but it's not going to land there for another three days. Now, incredibly frustrating on one hand, but it doesn't matter because six, I know that in you know, <laughs> the end of the week there'll be six hundred grand there. That's that's nice. There's nice end to the week. Yeah, definitely very happy with that. Except if you need that six hundred grand in the middle of the week, <laughs> and it's not every, <laughs> and it's a frustrating week. So it's understanding the cash flow and the cash balances. And making adequate, you know, allowance for all this 
in advance. And that's what I spend a lot of my time doing is, I guess, business planning and, and looking at the flow of things. So when I say I manage, that's what I do. I manage not only people, and I, but I manage money. Well, I manage money and how it grows. I manage money in as far as the flow of money that everyone gets paid. And so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little duck here that's, you know, on the top of everyone goes, oh, what do you actually do? But underneath, the legs are going like crazy. For listeners who want to educate themselves on property developing, Bradley advises that while you can learn a lot from courses, you can learn even more from first-hand experience. There's, there's a whole bunch of people that, are, that, will, that will have courses online and you know, and various things. The problem with the courses online, in my opinion, is that they will teach you that the actual learning how they, the A to Z of how to develop it, a property or what have you. Is, you, know, you can learn what the steps are and so forth and it's fine. But the, 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 the actual learning of how you run this and how you get past this as a business or whatever else, you're going to learn by doing. And so I'll be encouraging people to say, you know, don't necessarily go, you don't have to go stupid and just, you know, start firing off at the hip or whatever else. However, understand that you can learn a course that tells you, I don't know, how to build a house. But that's good for why you want to build that house. Why houses get built a certain way? The moment that things change, and what I've spent a bit of time talking about in the last little bit is that the only constant is change. That that won't do you much good if you're not actually used to dealing with how to change with it. And so, I think you I think you learn that by doing that or by attempting to to do that, and then try and surround yourself with people uh, who are also in a similar ilk of. Uh, I guess I'm going along the same journey as what, so what you are, whether that be people uh, you see as mentors or people that you see as as, uh, as equals and, uh, and colleagues that you catch up with to you know, do things together with. If you want to connect with Bradley to undertake a development project with him or just want to find out more about his strategy and mindset, you can do so through his website or via email. I, I should preface the start by saying I... Uh, what I do is not, is not, I guess, appropriate for everyone, and uh, how I go about it may not be appropriate for everyone. So, having said that, I have a website, you know, uh, BradleyPropertyGroup.com.au, and I'm Dave at BradleyPropertyGroup.com.au. By all means, send me an email. Uh, if you ask me an email and say, "Can you tell me everything you know, please?" in a return email, you know, you may not get that. <laughs> if you say, you know, I don't know, can we have a cup of coffee? I already drink too much coffee as it is. If you say, can we have lunch? I already, you know, it's there. So. I'm a businessman, right? So I'm trying to add value to property and get paid for doing it. So I'd say, pitch me a proposal. In the past, I've done things with mentoring people. I've uh, project managed with people and that sort of stuff. So by all means, get in contact. Uh, and that's there. And if you thought you just enjoyed this recording and you thought that was, was, was pretty good, send me an email that says it's there. And what, if, we, if we happen to uh, pass, happen to cross, then that's terrific. If they don't, I just want to wish everyone the best of luck on no, no, their, their developing journey, but their investing journey because that's what it is and uh, hopefully you get to an outcome that is what you're aiming at. Thank you to Dave Bradley, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about his journey, then visit our website at propertyinvestory.com. Simply type in the search bar Dave Bradley and select that episode to learn more about his story. Also, if you haven't subscribed to receive your free property case studies that I only send exclusively via email, you can text me your email address to 0499881040 to subscribe. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, the strategies and much more. Simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to get your free case studies. Thanks for listening.